0: restaurant unstoppable episode 800 in eight with the founder and ceo of restaurant
1: 365 tony smith look if you have a load of money and you're willing to risk it you don't need product market fit right out of the gate man you can burn money for years and find your solution right
2: are you ready for it factors success stories
0: Streamline your clean faster than ever before with Ecolab Sink and Surface Cleaner Sanitizer. Ecolab's two-in-one Sink and Surface Cleaner Sanitizer is one product that can both clean and sanitize food contact surfaces in front of house, back of house, and the third sink. Like other EPA-registered food contact surface sanitizers, it helps protect against foodborne illness. To learn more, visit Ecolab.com slash unstoppable or talk to your Ecolab representative. listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H dot S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, and it feels so right to have Bento Box as a sponsor because I remember uh, beyond five years ago when I was researching my guests and finding people to have on the show, I remember there was a correlation between successful restaurants and Bento Box websites, and it just feels so appropriate to have them here sponsoring the show today. But Bento Box is way more than just websites. They're also online ordering and marketing. And you should know that Bento Box has new packages designed with the needs of new restaurants in mind. You can get everything you need to start marketing before you even open and succeed from day one. Current Bento Box customers have seen an average of 70% more website traffic, seven times more conversions, and five times their average R-O-I. Schedule a demo at getbento.com slash unstoppable and receive three months free. What's crack a unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder that this podcast needs your help and there's a few ways you can do it. You can support our sponsors, you can use my links, and you can share this thing with everybody you know who's aspiring for great things in the restaurant industry. The mission is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. We do it by sharing knowledge and making an example of successful restaurateurs. And you can do your part by making sure other people know about this resource. And thank you in advance for sharing it. So today we're talking to the founder and CEO of Restaurant 365 Tony Smith and restaurant 365 has been a tool that's been on my radar for years now and they're always constantly evolving and improving and just adding more quote-unquote modules to their offering and I think it's just a a great lesson and a great example of what we've learned on the show of, of always, you know, just growing, starting small, starting with a unique selling proposition and always growing and always improving. Uh, and they're absolutely doing that. Uh, so if you don't know about restaurant 365, they started back in 2012 as a primarily accounting solution and they've been slowly evolving over time to offer things like inventory, like labor management, like HR, and the list keeps going on. And they just recently purchased or absorbed one of their biggest competitors, Compete, and there's a little bit of irony there competitors compete but anyway they just absorbed compete and they're doing big things so today we're talking to tony to learn about the history of restaurant 365 the benefits of restaurant 365 and what the future of restaurant 365 and the industry look like i hope you enjoy it here it is With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and CEO of Restaurant 365, Tony Smith. Tony, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: Oh, Eric, I am in so many ways. I mean, there's the business aspects of it, and then there's just life. And I I am feeling good. Can't wait to to talk about it today with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And I'm really excited because Restaurant 365 in the 8 years I've been doing this, uh which is it's funny, we started around the same time. Uh you were, you started in 2012. I think I started around 2012 2013 and uh, it's been great to watch the evolution of Restaurant 365 and just to see you guys grow and today we're going to get the whole story of how you got to where you are today your backstory and the future of restaurant 365 but before we dive into that let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or sorry with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us
1: all right well i uh i have so many so I, i won't share them all my my team can tell you here i I make up things. I say so many different things, and and they're all probably lame. But uh, I'll tell you, in high school, the one I had was never wrestle with a pig because you both get dirty, but the pig likes it. But (laughs) I I don't feel like that applies today. So I think today I'll go with, during a league of their own, uh, You know, the star player, Gina Davis, she tells Tom Hanks, this is too hard, I've got to quit. And he says one of my very favorite mantras, it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it the hard is what makes it great. I I love that quote. I actually had it printed out. I put it on my wall here at home. So so yeah,
0: that's a great way to get this thing started. And I'm curious. uh, What's the inner dialogue you have when things are hard? You can either choose to be in a bad mood or you can choose to kind of embrace it and just accept that it's going to be hard. But what's the conversation you have with yourself? What's that? How do you kind of stay positive during the hard times?
1: Yeah, I, I'd love to say I stay even keeled the entire time. But I, I think, you know, we're all here. We all have some faults. So I think, you know, we have that initial reaction when you get some bad news and a knee jerk. And then you got to tell yourself as quickly as possible. OK, we're in this for the solution of it. You know, not to wallow in the problem. Ooh, Wallow. It's like another pig reference. Yeah, there. maybe I'm full <laughs> of those today. But yeah, no, that, that's what I think. And you just set yourself as quickly as possible on there is a solution to this, and I know it. Let's go find it.
0: I love it. Awesome stuff. Um, so, where does it make sense to start telling your story? Because I know you guys started in 2012, but I'm assuming you had things going on before then. Uh, why should we be? I mean traditionally, we, we make an example of successful restaurant tours. But I mean, you, you, you got to look at what you've created with Restaurant 365 and be impressed. So we have a successful entrepreneur with us today. And I feel like we can learn so much just from listening to your come up story. So take us to where it makes sense. Where, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? I want to get an idea of who you are.
1: Yeah. Well, it's always funny for me when people say entrepreneur, because earlier in life, I really considered myself not an entrepreneur. Like when I was in college and people would talk about what they were going to do and maybe they'd start a business and I'd be like, I am not an entrepreneur myself. And even I had a research job during college interviewing entrepreneurs to do some research. And I always came away from those going... Those people are crazy, you know, (laughs) like what, what are they thinking starting a business? And so anyways, that was just always part of my mindset. I thought I was not an entrepreneur. But at the same time, when I look back on my life, the thing I have done is I always choose to put myself in places where I have autonomy to make decisions and where those decisions can have a big impact on whatever I'm involved in. So I think it, that's probably where it has come from that throughout my life, I have probably had an entrepreneurial mindset. Why is and
0: autonomy so, of decision important before you keep on going? we we'll get into yeah, the significance yeah. of that.
1: For me, I mean, I I feel like if you're just being driven, told what to do all the time, then you're probably not going to get to the best answer to this problem. You're not going to get a broad solution because you're just going to be doing what you're told. And so I've, I've always felt like I've got a lot to offer and and I want to be able to drive towards broader thinking, new things, innovation. That That's just the things that get me really excited. I love that.
0: Um, so, I, I can super relate to this idea of uh, interviewing entrepreneurs or in my case, restaurant tours, <laughs> and then thinking to them yourself, they are crazy. Like I, and I've almost been scared straight. There's still a part of me that really wants to open a restaurant. Like, but I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying with like, there, it takes a very special person. Uh, these are crazy people to do to put yourself where you have to go through to be successful. So uh, do you still not look at yourself as being an entrepreneur to this day or how do you identify
1: yeah, at, at this point, when, when I look back on it, I guess I don't have delusions. Like I, I by definition, I am one, right? So, so I guess I am, but that's not really, well, I really do think of myself as a problem solver. That's what I like to think of. And I, I think that usually drives you to start something new because the solution is new to the problem, but I'm not doing it to start something. I'm not doing it because I'm a business guy. You know, it's, it's because I, I want to solve that problem. So yes, I guess I am in, in the end here. Yeah. Uh, and, and so as I look back on it, you know, out of college, I chose to work at a very small company that had just started the year before and had a handful of customers, uh, a software business instead of going for the big companies like Microsoft or some of these others where there were some job opportunities. And again, it was that same thing, right? I wanted to be able to make a difference and, and, and solve some things for myself. So
0: I love it. So kind of, kind of, Go back to where we were—that timeline of you first. You're interviewing entrepreneurs, and what was going on later on in your life as we go forward?
1: Yeah. So, um, yes, keep moving forward. So I was I was interviewing those entrepreneurs in college. I came out. I took a job with a smaller business, and and we we never intended that company to be really huge, but it it did grow nicely. It was it was it was a good solid company, and had a lot of fun there. And I, I guess a year and a half out of college, I also tried to start a vertical cloud SaaS company on the side. And it was a little bit ahead of its time. You know, cloud SaaS that that wasn't even a term at that point. And and so, but that was the idea of what I was doing. And a big company got wind of what we were doing and ended up squashing us too quickly. And I learned a ton of lessons from that. You know, because I I kept my day job. I was working hard at the day job. We're doing that at night and really found a lot of things about what it takes to start a company by doing them all wrong and and so that was that was good for me at the time. Wait, let's let's pull
0: back some layers here. I got to pull back. This is what I do, Tony. So you said the small company, you learned uh, a lot of big lessons. Um, There was a big company that found you what you were doing, kind of squashed you really pull back because I think that that there's some probably some lessons here that we can draw on and, and apply to the restaurant industry. So what were those lessons?
1: Yeah, Um, A few, I'll I'll just go a couple of them. One of them really, I think to start any successful business, there's probably five key things you can have, but there's three that are the most important. And the way I usually put it is you have to have two of those three or you will fail. Like you can't start a business with one of those three. So here's how I look at it. One of those things is money. You need some money. Uh, That's a pillar of starting a business. Number two is you need product market fit or you need something that you're solving for someone else. And number three is that you need to be willing to take risk. And so the reason I say you need two of those three is because, look, if you have a load of money and you're willing to risk it, you don't need product market fit right out of the gate, man. You can burn money for years (laughs) and find your solution, right? And, And the same goes for others. If you have product market fit, and you're willing to risk, like you're quitting your day job and you're going all in and you do have a great idea that solves the problem, you actually don't need that much money if you're willing to put everything you have all your time into solving it. And if you you really meet the need, other people are going to jump on and put some money in at some point. So I feel like it's flexible there, but those are the three keys. And then of course, two others, when I said there was five, the other two for me are one, you also need key talent you know, oftentimes that's you hopefully it's yourself but if it's not you better align with some key talent and then number 5 there is you need some early adopters right you need you need that one key customer that's going to test it with you and they're willing to have the bumps along the way whatever that might be. And and so I, you know, I think a lot of those things do apply to restaurants, maybe not exactly like yep. a software company, but those are some of the principles I learned. But
0: I mean, there's definitely some things that overlap. I mean, especially having money early on, high risk definitely applies. Having key talent definitely applies. Having early adopters, people who are willing to talk about you and share you. And I think it, it does absolutely apply. But I am curious. You said that you, you, you guys came in, um, you learned some big lessons. What were the what were the elements you did have? Did you have three of these or did you so not have I didn't, have that's the
1: thing. At the, at the start, I didn't know. So I had a great idea and it met this market fit. It was cloud, you know, at the beginning, it was like, we're going to charge them monthly and they aren't going to buy the software up front. People are like, what are you talking about? You're, we're going to pay you monthly for software and it's going to be on the internet, you know? It was like So so for it was a new idea, but it really met their need and we got some good uh feedback from these early customers that we had but we did not have any money to start because i'm a year and a half out of school and i wasn't willing to risk because i wasn't going to quit my day job so can you i was time stamp this for
0: me can you let us know where we are on this point
1: yeah this is uh, so that was a year and a half out of school
0: okay and what when was that how much How how much time oh, between now where you are in your story in 2012
1: oh i got you yeah take you back from now so that is 15, 16 years
0: ago. Got it. Got it. So about... or eight years before you you started
1: Restaurant 365. That's right. I started R365 about eight years out of school with Morgan Harris and John Moody, who were the two partners I was working with at Dynamic Methods, that business that I took the first job out of college.
0: Okay. And um, at what point were there other businesses between this experience and Restaurant 365 or any other evolutionary points that we need to dissect before kind of really getting into Restaurant 365?
1: You know, probably not too much. Just that John and Morgan and I uh, had a great working dynamic there and knew each other's strengths and that was a that company was a Microsoft reseller and we would customize and sometimes produce our own solutions for any industry. So that was really broad. And I really felt like we were reinventing the wheel every time. It was project-based work. You know, we'd go in, we'd solve something with software and move on, usually accounting-based or operations software. Okay. And, and so those were really the skills we developed over that time. But, but some of the frustration is that it was so horizontal, you, you never knew where to focus your energy. And one day I'd be working with a really big cemetery, and the next day I'd be working at an oil refinery. And, you know, it's so hard to feel like you're going deep enough to make something lasting that way.
0: Yeah. And we do have some folks who have joined us. So I want to make sure you guys know that if you have any questions as we're going, make sure you type your questions in the comment section. And uh, if we don't answer them organically, we'll be sure to leave time at the very end to answer your questions. If you can't stay here to the end, that's why it's important to type your question out because I'll read it for you. Um, okay. Moving on. Uh, oh,
1: and make the questions really easy. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Now, you
0: can yeah, it. of course. Uh, so uh, looking at your story. So it sounds like this is where you really started to carve out a niche for yourself because you were focusing on accounting and operations. But so you focused on the the skills that businesses need or the the tools they need, but you hadn't quite focused on an industry yet. You're still kind of broad in that regard. So how did you start to over time find out that there is a huge opportunity in the restaurant industry? Like why? Why restaurants? I guess is my question.
1: Yeah, so we're getting to this time frame, like the 2010 time frame, uh, of really wanting to create a solution that we could go really deep with for one industry, and and so we started to look. We we went on the lookout. Like, why is that a is good thing? Industry?
0: Before you say, you know, get into the details, why is that the approach? Because I think that's another lesson that you can cross-utilize between industries. But why?
1: Yeah, for us, uh, there was. In our other business, there was really no differentiator, right? We were doing broad things. And yes, we did good work. But who do you go market to if you're trying to offer everything to everyone? You know, it was so hard to tell our story. And we wanted a real story. And the deeper we went, we felt like it would tell its own story. Our customers would tell it for us. You know, that that's really what we were trying to get to. And that's why we felt like you focus on one industry and, and really set yourself apart from everyone around you in the area. And, and that, yeah, that's what we were setting out to do.
0: Yeah. But that's also a gigantic lesson I've learned here at restaurant unstoppable. Instead of trying to be everything to everybody, be everything to a few amount of people and really take care of that, that niche, that, that I think you can just go, it's, it's about trying to go deeper and then going out, you know, making an impact versus having a, a big reach. What are your thoughts on, on what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying there, especially for restaurants. I mean, you look at some of the restaurants who have taken that approach, who are extremely successful. You know, you've got in and out their menu looks like five items, you yeah. know, or you, have, you have some people who want to make a good teriyaki bowl and they make the best teriyaki bowl and they're known for it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, there's just so many restaurants out there that have been able to hone in on that and really make a name for themselves in specific Things that differentiate them from the others, and, and I think that's fared really well for them. Awesome.
0: So, at what point are you like, okay, let's go out there and create Restaurant Three Sixty Five? Take us through that and like just the, the formation of the, of the the company.
1: Yeah. So, as we were interested in finding the right industry and the right opportunity for the skills we already knew we had to offer, uh, you know, at one point the restaurant a restaurant group came across our, our plate there. And and so as we looked into it on the generic accounting software side and looked okay is, is are their needs met with these other tools and they really were not because restaurants are very unique in the way that they operate. You know, it's semi manufacturing plant but manufacturing it right in the moment in front of you. And so that makes for some unique inventory costing issues and the way that they run where they often open multiple stores and sometimes those stores have different owners, you know, one common owner and some other ownership structures, there's a lot of complexities there. And so as we saw that, these generic products just didn't really meet that need Uh, that can apply when you're selling bikes. You're buying and selling bikes, hey, it's pretty simple. But for restaurants, it's nothing like that. And so as we saw that, it started to become apparent that they needed a unique solution. So then we started to look in the industry, what solutions are already out there for them? And there were a ton... Of point solutions, you know, meaning a solution that solves maybe one need or two needs, but there weren't a broad set that was simplifying this whole experience for the restaurant. technologically. Yeah. So go back
0: 2012, 2011, 2010, when you're dreaming this up. Uh, paint the picture of the landscape of the restaurant industry in the, and I think you are kind of doing that right now. You absolutely are doing that right now. There is lots of solutions out there, but they are all just one off solutions. Uh, so like one solution for accounting, one solution for labor management, one solution for, for inventory and on and on and on. Why was that an issue within the industry? Well, what are the issues when you come with that come from just having a bunch of one offs, which yeah. is ironic because we were just talking about
1: doing one thing really well. But You're right, keep going, I think there were two there were two main problems that I saw first, the restaurant industry are restaurant tours they are generally not tech people, and so most of the solutions at that time were uh, not cloud-based, you were purchasing it. So it required a bigger cost upfront. And then they were hosting and maintaining that themselves, you know, either at the store or at their cor- corporate office. And so that that didn't suit them very well. That's where the cloud-based side of it was going to solve something where we host it for you. You just use it. You don't think about the upgrades or anything. The other issue there when you were asking about it is with so many solutions, we find a lot of restaurants using eight 10 different softwares, most of them not talking to each other and then having to do a whole bunch of that work in Excel manually, print it out, tape it on the wall, and then later type that into one of the systems and then the other one, you know, and so that's disjointed and, and can cause so many problems. People don't have information at their fingertips. They're only getting it a month and all of those kind of issues. And so those were the things that we saw were frustrating for the tours. And because they weren't tech people, they weren't going to go build all the integrations to connect all the systems. They, they didn't have that vision. And, and so that's part of what we set out to solve was simplify that situation for them. Could they go from eight software solutions to two or three that all talk to each other really well? And that, that's really when we start, set out originally what we were doing. Beautiful. So uh, I guess...
0: You know, you, you identify the issue that the the industry has a bunch of one off solutions, but nothing that plays well together. Restaurant tours tend not to be the most tech savvy individual, so you want something that's easy and streamlined, so you can just go in there and do what you have to do and get out. Uh, anything else before moving on? Talking about just the, the I think the only
1: version. other thing on the timing there that was great is. Uh, there's just two things that really were good for the timing and it felt like the industry could adopt a solution like that. Number one was Wi-Fi and internet connectivity. Smartphones have been going for a while. People could now have better internet connectivity at some of these stores where before they couldn't. And so that allows for a cloud solution. And then one other thing is we were seeing a new generation of restaurateurs, you know, who had grown up with some technology and were more comfortable adopting that a bit better. And so those two things helped with the timing of when we came along.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a, kind of one of a really cool thing about the restaurant industry is that because it tends to be a little bit behind the curve, and I think it's actually changing where we're actually starting to get caught up right now, but there's so much opportunity still to this day. If you look to other industries for innovation and look back to the restaurant industry and go, oh, why are they doing it like that when there's this clear solution right over here that just hasn't made its way onto the restaurant industry scene yet? Uh, and I think I keep on seeing time and time again where people People are taking solutions from other industries and applying them to our industry. Was that happening for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, mean, the way I see it, uh, if you look at it from a financial perspective, in general industries, like take construction or some other industry, the average spend on software is 5 to 6% of your revenue is on technology to help automate this. And in the restaurant industry right now, the average spend is about 2.5%. And so I think that shows that there's still room for them to do more, adopt more technology and still run successful businesses, but even more successful because of what they're going to get out of that tech.
0: Yeah. So when you came on scene in 2012, what solutions did you offer? Because you've evolved a lot since then. You don't offer all that you offer now, then. So what, what, How did you break on the scene? What was your solution or what was your so the, offering then?
1: The goal was really around these unique accounting needs, right? To get to an accounting solution that was connected to the rest of the store, you know, be it the POS and that kind of thing. We weren't looking to provide the POS. We were looking to connect with it. So, but, but you can't just create an accounting solution in a month. It turns out that's hard. So yeah. instead, um, we we had to build it module by module because we were doing this on our own dime. You know, I mean, we, we looked, we, Morgan and John and I, we made a, an Excel spreadsheet. And it showed, this is how much money we think is going to have to go in, and it's years worth, and it's our money. Do we want to do it? Because are we really in? Because you can't get to year two and say, hey, why isn't this making any money? If you knew from the beginning, you know, it was going to take till year five or something. And, And so we all... We loved it. We all committed to it and we went in. And And so because of that, though, doing it on your own dime and knowing it's going to take some time, you've got to do it piece by piece. So to your question, the very first module we built was an integration to the point of sale where we would pull data from point of sale systems daily, consolidate them into a daily review for the restaurant manager, as well as a report across all the stores that would go to the corporate office and to the owners. And and flag possible uh, things that are going on in the store, you know, too many voids or or strange comps and that that anomalies that that's that was the very first thing we did was basically a daily sales report aggregation and and that wasn't the the end vision but that's just that's the module we started with and then from there continued to build on accounting modules such as invoicing and accounts payable a general ledger a financial report producer you know we just kept building from there until after uh, you know a year and a half 's time, or some getting to the start of two thousand and fourteen, we felt like we had a very solid set of core functions so in two thousand
0: and twelve, when you were getting started, the vision was to create a bunch of solutions in one spot, but even then, you knew that you had to work to it. You started with one thing and scaled over time. but it was always part of the vision to be a one stop shop for back of house in front of house and just back office solutions.
1: Right. The more uh, you know, more, the more simplification, all in one. The connected restaurant is a way we like to say it. You know, that's what we're driving towards.
0: Okay. So, so why did you start with accounting? Was that where you thought that? Well, your skill set, obviously, and then is that where you thought that the biggest opportunity was in the industry?
1: Yeah, I, it it definitely fit with our skill set, but it was also the most underserved in our opinion because generally it was just standard accounting packages, which are great tools, you know, like QuickBooks and NetSuite and Microsoft Dynamics and Intac, all those tools. Those are great tools, but they weren't geared for the restaurant industry. They were used anywhere, and and so we really wanted to take all of these unique accounting problems and solve those things. And there and and the landscape in terms of competition there was fairly wide open for us, you know, because yeah. most people were focusing on solving the point of sale need or maybe just an inventory or a scheduling need. You, know, you have great companies out there like Hot Schedules and many others that, that went really hard after scheduling specifically, and and so accounting for us was in our wheelhouse and was a need that no one was meeting or or not many people were meeting.
0: Okay. So, I mean, today, to kind of paint the big picture, as of today, your accounting, inventory, scheduling, uh, manager logbook, and sales reporting, uh, HR. HR. HR, yeah, is another one, I think. Anything I'm missing up to this point?
1: Uh, I mean, that's a pretty good list. We have a lot of you know smaller modules. We've got AP automation. We have franchise contract management and billing. We've got catering event management. It's kind of a small module. We have a lot of smaller ones too. But you you named the big ones.
0: So did it did did Restaurant Three Sixty Five evolve in that order, starting with accounting, then inventory, and then scheduling management logbooks, sales reporting. Is that kind of the evolution?
1: Yeah, yeah, actually that yeah, that's a good that's a good listing of it. That is how it went. Although there was one little blip in there which is we also wanted to provide early on we thought we wanted to provide a marketing solution as maybe the second thing we offered. But as we dug in there a little bit, we understood for what we were providing the restaurants, that was not the second thing we should build after we spent a couple months building it and you know, and needed to pivot a little. But that's how business goes and, and you learn and grow from there. But we did have to pivot a little on one one module there.
0: But when you look at this, the things that came second and third, uh, when you're looking at accounting, those are pretty huge elements. So I guess, what, how were you prioritizing to, you know, yeah. Well, what, what, what inventory
1: like? is a part of accounting. You know, there's almost everything you do in inventory has an accounting element to it. And it is very unique for the restaurant. And so that one was always made sense for us to go to after we got the accounting package in place. Uh, but... Uh, but it took some time. It, it's hard to build all that, of course, and and so it took us time. But th- that one for us was always a no brainer to go to next because it's you know when you look at a restaurant, what do they want to do? They want to increase their sales, they want to control their food cost, and they want to manage their labor costs. Yeah, I was going to say know,
0: like the order in which you're scaling restaurant three sixty five is the is the prime cost. You're looking at right, prime and cost. that's
1: that's what we built the business around. That the first reports we built was a prime cost report. Yeah. And and the most used report in our system, even today, is the profit and loss, which to a restaurant is the prime cost report. Sometimes they stop right at the prime cost. Sometimes they look at the rest of the report. But that is the most run. report. I mean, somewhere in America, every three seconds, someone's running this P&L, you know, to look at their prime cost in one of the stores. And one of the things that's unique about our offering is that we provide that full experience to get all of that in one place that they can see at the store at the restaurant manager level and also at corporate every day. And it's the same data. It's not where you used to wait till month end and corporate closes the books. And then they send you your reports and say, this is how you did. No, now everyone looks at it real time because it's, it's in the cloud. So yeah, that that's really the difference there. Got it. Um, So I think I'm,
0: I'm kind of just taking these questions as they're coming into my head, just being curious. Uh, But I, I think one of the things that I hear the most, I mean, I mean, unless we can, I don't think we're going to be able to unpackage all these elements of what you guys do at restaurant Three Sixty Five well enough. Yeah. So I rather just stay aerial and look at big picture. And I think some of the, the, the biggest resistance people probably give you or your sales team when you you're trying to grow and scale and get more customers is cost. And I mean, or just, how do I validate spending all this money for one solution? And I, I guess what is, what is the rationality? I guess is what I'm saying. How do you justify and what is your argument for anybody who's pushing back to you saying, I don't need all this stuff? Where do, w- just take us there.
1: Yeah. I, I think some of the things that, make it harder to run a restaurant and especially harder to grow a restaurant business. Like, say, open a new location is the the disjointed information that you have and the fact that as you expand to multiple stores, your restaurant managers are actually different people and they operate the store differently and, and some are better than others. You know, and you wish that your restaurant, your all your restaurant managers could perform the same as your best restaurant manager. And so some of the things that you get from a system like ours is that you, you have consistency. We automate as much as we can. We create this tool that just augments your restaurant manager. You know, it's almost like one of those movies where you see them. Put on, you know, robot arms that make the people way stronger. They're still the people, but now you've got robot arms on as well. And and that's what we're really trying to do is allow them to lift more with the same resources. And so you can grow without adding people at the corporate office, you know, and you can see all of these restaurant managers operating efficiently. And, and because the system is helping with all that, then you save on your food costs and you save on your labor costs and you run a more profitable business while enjoying higher visibility at the owner and at the corporate level into what's happening in each store. And so some of that automation, visibility, consistency is what drives the profitability. And of course the profitability uh, pays for itself if you want to talk about the system.
0: Well that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people have to they they look at just upfront costs. Like this is going to cost me X amount of hundreds or whatever dollars a month. Uh, and I know it's case by case depending on the restaurant size that you're working with, which is what would determine the rate of what you're paying. Uh, but you have to look at like, what am I spending if I don't have something like this? How, what like, will it pay for itself? And um, when you're looking at tightening up your, your labor expenses, your inventory and all those things, those are the, th- those are your prime costs. So mm, nine times out of 10 technologies like this pay for themselves. But what about the push the the pushback you get when people say, you know, I don't want to man, I don't want people I don't, or sorry. I don't want robots in my business. I want people in my business uh what's the pushback there like how do you yeah. counter that
1: yeah our our take really isn't isn't to replace people with this system right the system is to augment what the people are doing and allow them to spend their time better less less entry so for example uh, you, you take our ap automation module we pull the invoices from vendors into the system automatically from so many vendors. it's just automated and the invoices in wherein back in the day you'd hand key those. and so it's like, do you really want your restaurant manager at the end of the day hand keying ten invoices into the system, or would you rather those were already in? and they just get to look at them, and the system flags here's some prices that were out of contract. You might want to contact the vendor about that. You know it's a very different experience where you're not. Losing the human side of it, you're just doing some of the things for them that make them much more efficient.
0: Yeah. Who wants to be more efficient and cleaner? everyone so streamline your clean faster than ever before with Ecolab sink and surface cleaner sanitizer Ecolab's two in one sink and surface cleaner sanitizer is one product that can both clean and sanitize food contact surfaces in front of house back of house and the third sink like other EPA registered food contact service sanitizers it helps protect against foodborne illness and also kills SARS-CoV-2 the virus that causes COVID-19 in 15 seconds and norovirus the flu in common cold viruses in 30 seconds helping you reduce risk simplify your procedures and help protect your team your guest and your reputation with ecolab sink and surface cleaner sanitizer visit ecolab.com unstoppable or talk to your ecolab representative this episode is brought to you by BentoBox. Bento Box delivers a restaurant online marketing and commerce platform to help restaurants succeed by giving them back control of their presence, profits, and experience. Bento Box helps new restaurants get started with websites, online ordering, and marketing. You probably already knew about the websites. I mean, every leading restaurant out there seems like they're using Bento Box, and that's because their brand building websites are designed exclusively for the needs of of a restaurant bento box builds it for you and then they give you control to update things as you need like menus hours and homepage alerts beyond awesome websites you're also getting ordering open new revenue channels with online ordering online catering and e-commerce so you can sell things like gift cards and merch and in addition you're also getting marketing tools bento box makes it easy to stay connected to your diners with pre-built automated email campaigns, built-in SEO, loyalty rewards programs, and more. All of this included with every Bento Box subscription. You should also know that BentoBox has brand new packages designed with the needs of new restaurants in mind. Get everything you need to get started marketing before you even open and succeed from day one. Current BentoBox customers have seen an average of 70% more website traffic, 7 times more conversions, and 5 times their average RO. I schedule a demo at getbento.com/slash unstoppable and receive three months free. you're already using like toast to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant unstoppable members get three months. Absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H dot S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. I guess what are some of the things you were hoping to talk about today? I want to give you an opportunity to to share what you're excited about. So, what are those things?
1: Yeah, well, it was. Uh, you know, I appreciate you letting me tell my personal story and our story a bit. You know, it's always yes. always fun to go back in time a little bit. But uh, I'm I'm more excited about where. We are today and where we're going, and I think that's where where the industry is going. Here, yeah. Than I am about where we've been. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. So we're that we've been there. It's like I say to our team whenever we get to the end of a quarter, we have an all hands meeting and we talk about the goals that we just had and what we did. You know, or at the end of the year, okay, here was this year we did it, and and we reach so many of those goals, and and I say it feels so good, and we talk about these goals, and we're so proud of ourselves, and we hold ourselves accountable. Let's all take a moment for the year that was. Okay, everyone, next year, you know <laughs> what are we doing now? Who are we going to be? That's how I do it. So you know that, that's how I like to think of things and probably in this podcast too. It's just exciting now to think where are we today? Well, bringing compete and you know along with C2 its products here in into the fold is very exciting for me. So that that's something that I'm really looking forward to digging deeper into uh, their business, helping connect it better to our business and be able to give the industry one platform. Yeah. There. So uh, just so for a little products.
0: context for people who might not know exactly what we're talking about right now, uh, b- prior to, I don't know, last this month, uh, some of the biggest computers out there as far as restaurant accounting tools were, I would say the two most recommended on the show. Uh, maybe you can throw a third in there It was with RSI, but was compete in restaurant 365 were the ones that were constantly being recommended to me on the show. Uh, and I remember even before when compete acquired, um, oh, C2 it, that was huge. I remember being, oh, that's that's going to be hard to compete with because C2 it was renowned for their inventory management. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? That was what they... Yeah, the,
1: their operations. Yeah. Inventory and labor, really good at those things.
0: Yeah. So when Compete acquired uh, C2 it, I was like, wow, like C2 it's going to take off. Uh, obviously, you guys were able to compete and hold your own. Uh, take us to where you were before this acquisition and where
1: you are now because of this acquisition. Yeah. So... You know, where we've been as a business, one thing I'd probably say is we we are a product-first organization, and we're committed to being that throughout. And, and what that means to me is that we spend more on R&D, on innovating, on creating new solutions than most companies would, you know, of our size, our scale, because I believe that's really what's going to drive the ultimate success and really transform the industry that we're in. And, and we're committed to that. And so, because of that, we... We ended up raising money from venture capital about seven years into the business, six six seven years into the business, and we put that money hard at work to build more modules. And so, like you mentioned, you know where compete had acquired C2it, um, and and that was great for them. We we also we continued to build along the way ourselves, and and we had seen pre COVID. Uh, four or five years in a row of uh, close to hundred percent growth each year. So about doubling in size each year during COVID, it was different, right? It was hard on the industry and, and we battened down the hatches a little bit ourselves. And, and as we did that, we still had a, a very successful year uh, of growth, but it was different than what we had been accustomed to. And so now with the timing of, of COVID subsiding, and what I see from the restaurant industry is really going forward in a great place. It, it seemed like a great time to look out there and say, who, who else is out there? What are they doing? And, and can we do some of that uh, together to continue to expand who we are? And so as we looked at that, we saw Compete and See To It uh, out there still, like you said, a great reputation, great products, recommended to people. And and so we just felt like having those in the fold and ultimately being able to unite as a company uh, would would produce a lot of value for the industry.
0: So you were doing inventory management, and uh, that was their big operations inventory management. How did this? Did this? Did you get intellectual property that makes what you think you do better, or are you just more interested in eliminating some big competition?
1: Yeah, it, you know I. <laughs> I wouldn't like to say this before we did the acquisition, <laughs> yeah. but it turns out there's some things they did better than us. Like what? I'm curious. Okay? If you can believe um, you know, there's just the, the compete product has a really great commissary module. For example, Compete Advantage. Great commissary module. Um, it has a tool called Excellent Financials where you can what, produce financials. What is the commissary module?
0: What was the, the commissary module before you move on to the next thing?
1: Yeah, commissary is a, a central kitchen. So for stores that have a central kitchen and they're making the recipes They they have a really good product for for the other stores being able to order and fulfill from that central kitchen and track things. It's a great module. And they have a number of pieces that are solid. There is a ton of overlap between our products and Compete Advantage and, and the Radar product that came from C2it. Uh, they, you know, we do do inventory and both of those products do inventory. We do scheduling. You know, they do scheduling. We do payroll. They don't actually do payroll. So, so there is some that's not overlap and there is some overlap. And so what I believe is right now I've tasked our entire product management team with a heavy evaluation of all systems. So they're taking every feature and they're looking at the functionality across the different systems and ranking them and seeing what's missing and what's there, what's overlap. And then we're going to come out with a unified platform that is the best offering for for everyone. And and so that doesn't mean that all of the products are going away. This wasn't something where I was just trying to you know buy that, like you said, just eliminate something. I'm not trying to eliminate. I'm trying to produce the best platform for the industry.
0: Got it. Awesome. Uh, so I guess what are your what are you really excited about going into the future? Like what we talked about the future, where, where do you think the future is heading and what are you doing to be ahead of it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's great to see the restaurant industry in recovery. I, mean, I think there's probably a better word. It's probably resurgence, right? That's what I see. Like this industry, the restaurant industry is taken back over years ago they surpassed grocery spending, right? We've all heard that in the restaurant spending. And then in COVID, of course, that dropped back. And so what I'm most excited about is seeing the industry thrive. What I've looked at data-wise from the past three or four weeks, it looks like restaurant spending is likely more than grocery store spending again. How cool is that? I mean, sorry, grocery store. People are stores, chomping like, at the bit to get back out there. But I love restaurants, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and so uh, because I'm so excited about the industry itself and what it's doing, I think that means, look, if 90,000, 100,000 restaurants went out of business during COVID, which is terrible, and I hate to think about that you know, from a personal perspective, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is people want to go back to restaurants. And so now you're starting to see restaurants on average earning much more than they did during 2019 in the same time. So pre-COVID time. So restaurants from our data on average are performing better, but you're also missing this huge swath of restaurants that closed during that time. And so I love that there's an opportunity for these people to open new stores and for it to grow again. And, And as it does. I think it's a prime time. I think everyone understands that technology can make them more efficient and effective, that it's going to be valuable for them. And so I, I love the fact that here we are at this time where the industry is surging, where stores are going to open. And at the same time, they understand the impact that technology can have for them. And so it's going to allow us a lot of opportunity to continue simplifying some of those things in their life as they're ready to grow.
0: So you're doing a lot of talk about this data you have access to. And that's one cool thing about these tech companies is you service so many restaurants across so many different markets. You really get to see what markets are doing. What Do you have this data segmented by any chance in what is happening post-COVID-19 by segment? that wasn't happening before
1: COVID-19. If, if Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, if you have a drive through, you're killing it, right? Like, I mean, that's a, that's an obvious one, yeah. but yeah, we see that, right? If you have a drive through life's pretty good. And for restaurants that started with more of an online presence, adopting the ordering that they're still succeeding. Some of the things we see that are different, for example, uh, talking about the average restaurant, which is hard because there's so many different segments, but looking at just restaurants as a whole, Dine-in usually accounted for 80% of all restaurant sales, and then 20% was a takeout or delivery. During COVID, that exactly swapped places. And then it slowly was coming back together as restrictions would lift. And we'd look at it by state, and you'd see it bounce back, and yeah. it bounced back. And you'd see the groups that have drive throughs just killing it up at the top the whole time with takeout. And, but then what we saw is dine-in came back, and it passed takeout and delivery combined. And then it continued to grow. And that has shown us that people do want to dine in. They love the experience, the social part of it. And so as we look at the data, and we see that happen, and you see it in states that reopened faster, you obviously see dine in go up faster. And so one of the segments is geographically that we look at that. And but one of the long term changes, you asked, what are the differences? I think we may see dine-in settle in a little bit lower than it was pre-COVID forever, you know, and, and and that's okay because a lot of these restaurants, almost all of them who survive, adopted the ability to service customers in other ways besides dine-in. And so it shouldn't hurt them if they are servicing customers with a takeout, with a curbside order.
0: Yeah. So you said it's the dining is lower than it was. And you suspect that it might not ever be that same percentage. It always
1: has been, but how much lower, what is the percentage? Uh, a small amount. I, I think it settles in. Maybe it's 10% lower than it was. So maybe I think it's 5%, but I'm not talking like 25% lower than it was.
0: So one of the things I was curious about is if you were able to segment between, uh, if you have data on ghost kitchens or virtual kitchens, and how they're performing. Cause I, I don't, don't, I don't, I think that there's opportunity here, but I think there's a lot of overemphasis on how much opportunity there is in those segments. I think now that thing, now that that, when that was the only option, of course it was act now get on it. But when you look at human needs and human desires, ghost kitchens don't, Aside from the, the the human need to eat something, right, just to <laughs> Calories, get food in yeah. your body, it doesn't meet all the other human needs, and I don't see it having. I see. I don't see it going anywhere. I don't see it taking over dining. Like the people, yeah. some people say this is the future. I think it's yet yeah, It's it's a part. It's just another option. Like you're saying, it's going to make up a smaller. It's a, that that small percentage that we're not seeing in dining is being made up and probably being absorbed with these ghost kitchens and and, and whatnot. What are your, your thoughts?
1: No, exactly. I mean, are Ghost Kitchens here to stay? Yes. Are they a great idea? Yes. But are they going to take over the restaurant industry? Are they the end-all be-all? No. I don't think so, (laughs) right? And the same thing with delivery. I mean, you look at, at during COVID, we saw our customer delivery jump up about five times the amount of what they were doing. But even at five times, the delivery still wasn't accounting for anything close to what the online ordering and takeout was accounting for. Yeah. It's interesting. And now as it's subsided, we've seen that delivery come back down by multiples again. It's not quite down to where it was initially, but but come down quite a bit. And so some of these things that people feel like might completely alter the whole industry instead they just open opportunity for another idea. The industry's huge. There's mm-hmm. tons of, there's room for delivery. There's room for ghost kitchens. Hey, come, come everyone. There's room for everybody in here, right? We all eat all the time. And like I said, spending is more there than it is at, at grocery stores. But that doesn't mean that it's going to drastically alter the industry in the short term here in the next five, 10 years. Yeah.
0: If anything, I think there's really good news here because it's lowering the bar of entry, which I think is really exciting for people because before it was so hard to get into this industry because of the the financial capital. You needed to even open a restaurant, but you don't need a restaurant anymore. I mean, that's, I mean, that can be the goal, but you can start with having a brand that you do pop-ups around and then you can just flip a couple switches open yourself up for business digitally and then shut those switches off when you close right and wait until the next opportunity and then turn on the switches again, go into business and then shut down. So it just it makes you so versatile and the the, the barrier of entry like you can create a brand on 99 designs for like less than $500 right and like turn on all these tools to, to to bring your food to the digital market without having I don't have to explain this to you, you know, but um, any thoughts you want to compound on what I'm sharing with you.
1: Well, yeah, you go back to what we talked about at the beginning, right? To start a successful business. One of the, the first pillar I said was money. Yeah. If you can make it so it costs so much less money. Yeah. You're, you're In removing some of that too. brick and mortar. In lower risk. In lower risk. Man, yeah. then you can you can start your business a lot easier. And, and But I don't think that just means you start it and it always sits in that mode. You might start it and be able to find what resonates with the customers a lot better. Exactly. And you're giving people more of what they want. But at some point, that might even allow you to go brick and mortar. It might allow you to do more of those things and, and serve people in more of the wallet share that's out there because there's yeah. always going to be a large dine-in wallet share. And so, yeah, that, that's one way that, that I look at it. It was interesting to see Wingstop just announce Thighstop. That's a virtual brand for them. And now they're it's only that one's only gonna sell virtually. And so you can see that there is legs in it, but it's gonna is that be pun made intended? In, what?
0: Was that pun intended because it's leg stop? There's legs in it.
1: Oh All man, right. that's, I'm, yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, how, how bad of a joker. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's so it's so interesting that uh they, they do that, but that one's virtual, but but they have their brick and mortar stores, they have their brand that they're using to catapult with that. It's not like That's just its own thing and it's the only thing they want to offer.
0: So as a CEO uh, and somebody who's paying attention to the market and where the industry is going and trying to be ahead of it, what's one of the things that you think isn't really being addressed as much as it should be as far as where the industry is heading and what you're doing to be ahead of it?
1: I think that as fragmented as you look at the technology side of the restaurants, I, I do think that There's still, like I mentioned before, because of how little is spent on technology in the restaurant industry, I think there's still a lot of adoption to be had there. I think that their stores can still realize a lot more value from a connected technology stack. And, And when they do that, I think you'll see... You know, they breathe fresh air if I'm trying to open a store and I don't need to bring anyone new into corporate. I mean, it's it's just nice. And when I'm able, able to open that store and the technology helps to enforce some of the similarities across my brand, uh, things like that, I think that that's still very underutilized out there.
0: Yeah. So um, what are your thoughts on this whole D.Y.I. movement that's happening across the world, uh, information being readily accessible? uh technology being something that's easier and easier to manipulate and use. Uh, do you think that there's going to be this point where technology in the restaurant industry, me and restaurant tours more regularly start creating their own solutions? Uh, this is a conversation I, I had with uh, the CEO and founder of be with this idea of they they, that there's this, this dyi, D-Y-I world emerging right now where they think the future is kind of opening up the APIs and just letting people manipulate and create solutions. What are your thoughts on that in the future?
1: Yeah. I, I look at that, maybe how we talked about ghost. there will be opportunity for that. And I love that technology continues to advance. But I think maybe I would answer that with a tiny, a tiny glimpse into my mindset back when we started Restaurant365. I looked at it from a very simplified point and I said, we're going to build a few of these things. And we had two, three developers at the time, right? I was one of them. I said, okay, we can build these things with two, three people. It'll take us a couple of years. And once we have it, everyone's just going to use it and we'll never need a big development team, right? I had this limited mindset of how easy it would be. But as we got into it, obviously we saw, wait, we could solve this other thing and we can solve this other thing and we can make it run faster and we can do, and and there's so much that you can do to where it was foolish of me at the time. I was thinking, man, why do some of these software companies have such huge dev teams? They're fools. You know, I just didn't get it. Right. Of course, where the more that you have there, you can provide so much more. And, and so of course, my mindset changed over time and we have a large dev team and we're constantly building. And so I think for someone to feel like they would just build their own solution and and make it, uh, yeah, that works for a year or two. But then what about when things continue to change and evolve and grow? Are you going to then hire a whole... Army of people that are going to work on this. It's it, the DIY is pretty tough to really give yourself cutting edge and maintain that cutting edge over time. So that's where I think companies like like us and, and others out there are, are really you know the way that that it's going to go.
0: Cool, interesting. That was kind of probably my most open ended question as far as who knows what the possibilities are. Uh, but I do want to make sure we leave time. We have a couple of folks who joined us uh, to answer some questions. We actually have one of your customers. In the the chat, what past guest, uh, Jeff Dixon, uh, Central Pro- is it Provisions. I know is in the name. Uh, unmute your mic. Help me out here, Jeff. Is, it's not Central Provisions. Is it Provision Concepts? Is that
2: what? Uh, yeah, Concepts? we're based out of Oklahoma City. Provision Concepts. That's it, Tony. We have um, seven stores open with uh, six under construction. So uh, we found your software uh, probably twenty uh, fifteen, and it. Uh, started with a simple, where do we find a a, a product that our store level could, uh, scan an invoice and, and, and send it to corporate without having to mail in a a physical package every week of bills to pay. And, uh, it's exploded from there. And, uh, we, 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 it's a big part of what we do. So love it. Awesome.
1: uh, Jeff, you- congrats. I mean, thank you for being a customer, but congrats on uh, getting ready to open six more stores. I love that. That's awesome.
0: Uh, I'm curious, Jeff, do you have questions? I know that you have a, a chief technology officer on staff or somebody of that sorts.
2: Yeah. So, um, we do have our own CPA two offices down. We have our own operations manager who does uh payroll and, and billkeeping and a business development director that found your product like six years ago and I, I hit them all. I pinged them all. I said, hey, I'm on the. I'm on a Zoom with the CEO of this massive <laughs> part of our company. Does anyone have a question for this guy? <laughs> I, was like, I was hoping for some feedback. Everyone loves the product. So, um, you know, nothing bad to say, only positives. Um, so. I really appreciate okay. that, too. Well, I mean, I think it'd yeah, be when cool. I saw the email when I when Eric did the blast to say, hey, I'm going live with the CEO of Restaurant 65. 65- Normally my schedule doesn't allow for me to participate with stuff like this, but when I, uh, when I saw the email, I was like, I'm going to jump on this thing. So I, it was just cool to hear a story. I missed the first little bit of it. It was interesting for me to, uh, parlay part of my forward thinking process that you found VC money to help achieve some of your goals and acquisitions and stuff. So that's kind of what I do in my role with the company. I'm kind of more financial analyst, uh, You know, I started off as the KM as our first restaurant uh, seven years ago, but um, I've kind of turned into a a growth role and fundraiser and such. So it's cool to see a a startup be as successful as you guys. So congrats to you. Thank you.
0: Awesome. I, I do actually, if you don't mind, Jeff, I have some questions for you about what it was like going back six or five years ago. How long have you been using restaurant 365?
2: Uh, so our first restaurant opened in 2014 and we were quick booking it. We were just uh, attempting to to do that the best we could. And um, it lacked certain features that we wanted. So 2015, I was able to hire my first back office person and before that, I was the kitchen manager and then going to the office late at night, just you're the CEO and the janitor type scenario. <laughs> and when I was able to afford some help, she really sought a software that, that met our needs better and came across probably through a Google search, Restaurant 365. And um, it, like I said, it really stemmed from just the, uh, that basic need of, of wanting to uh, have invoices integrated through our vendors. And the ability to, I think, scan. And I'm the last guy to talk savvy about Restaurant 365. I'm lucky enough to have uh, a team to help do all that that work. But um, you know, it's just a simple way to communicate instead of having to mail in all these packages. Uh, yeah, Eric, I've already forgotten your question. Now I'm no, rambling. So,
0: no, you're, you're answering it perfectly. Really, uh, re- what I'm trying to get at is what um uh, just a real testimonial of somebody who uses Restaurant 365 why they needed the solution what the biggest pain points were what you're identifying and then the only other thing I wanted to know was when you did you know bite the bullet and choose to to take this investment and implement it in your business Restaurant 365 how were things afterwards like what was the transition like what was the the team but what was everything like after implementation
2: after impl- implementation it's it's that solidification uh, that you have a system in your business and here's how we do it. So I use the same point of sale. I use toast. I use the same uh, accounting software restaurant 365 and it's an, an adaption with your team of here's our standard operating procedures, you know, via inventory or payroll or timekeeping or you name it. And um, there's so many bells and whistles to restaurant 365 that I kind of shamelessly admit that we don't even use that we had self admittedly should like the theoretical um, food costs, for example, is something that I should totally use as a business. I should say, okay, based on my PMix, mix, my product mix, what did I sell in this uh, timeframe? What should my cost of goods be if we didn't waste a single thing uh, versus it, the method that we use is a little more crude, uh, just with an Excel spreadsheet. That's something we should stop what we're doing and uh dive into before we continue to just get so so much bigger but um there's plenty of bells and whistles and it's simplified my team's um process so um sarah could work at concept one and get promoted to concept two and she knows how our processes are doesn't matter the cuisine we sell or the food we sell it's the back office side is is uh seamless
1: You know, Jeff, I I think my team told me that report you're referring to actual versus theoretical food costs. I think they recently told me it's the second most used report in our system. So I'd love to see you get into that and get some of that value out of it. Shame on me, man. I, that (laughs) blows me away.
2: Like we, it's almost like you limp along in your day, daily life with like bad habits and you're like, gosh, I just need to like bite the bullet and like change this habit and like, uh, we we totally should it, it'd be it'd be very interesting to see how much we waste we we lose from uh, theoretical food cost to what we actually uh, compile and turn in we use just a simple spread, excel spreadsheet now where we take our beginning inventory add our purchases uh back out our ending inventory and that's our usage divide that over our sales and that's our percentage for our cost of goods but i should totally uh i have no clue what the theoretical should be and shame on us dude i I'll make that a challenge the rest of this year. Brittany, that's the one thing she did text me and I said, ah, no one had a question for this guy. And she goes, Shame on us. Like we should we should use that tool so, uh, well, great.
0: just for the record, Jeff uh, did not. We did not plan to have Jeff here. I'm not paying Jeff to come say all these great things about restaurant 365. Uh, he's just a user of, of the service past guest on the show. If you guys are interested in listening to Jeff's episode, he's episode seven hundred and seventy six, uh, the, the co-founder. And what's your official title? Is it CEO or C- CTO?
2: co-founders great co-founder yeah. of provision yeah.
0: concepts it's a great episode and um I, I i do know we are almost at our time i want to respect your time tony but we do have one more question uh it looks like jeff wants to chime in one more one time. final question and sign off
2: um uh, eric what's tony's is tony on an episode that i can go back and listen to yeah it's it's right now <laughs> okay
0: cool it's happening yeah this is this okay, is cool. this is going to be to the episode to the podcast okay cool yeah um So there is one more question in the chat. Uh, I wanted to make sure, uh, Sean, if you're able to join us, you can unmute your mic real quick and ask your question. If you don't do it in two seconds, I will read it for you. Okay, it looks like you're available. Go for it.
2: Hey, uh, yeah, thank you. I'm actually a big potential fan of Restaurant 365, but we ended up rolling with a system called Razzie. And for some reason, I thought it was actually a complimentary system, but it sounds like it's actually a competitor um, would you be able, have you heard of Razzie before and can you confirm if it's a complimentary system because it is accounting and inventory. So I might've
1: answered my own question, but yeah, okay, I'm trying Yeah, yeah, I, I, I had recently actually Razzie just came across, uh, the, my inbox and, and so I've, I've learned a little bit more about them. Uh, they, they do offer some of the functions. So accounting and inventory part, you know, where we had shared some of our modules earlier. There's some other things we're doing uh, probably a little broader than they are, but yeah, they, they do a number of the things that we do. And I think there's uh, from what I understand, a a heavier service element as well um, with with them. So yeah, but uh, it's great that you found a solution. I I really support restaurants adopting technology to try to drive some of this value. So I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that, but we'd love to be able to help you as well. So.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, And then I think we have time for one more question. Ben did just type in a message. Uh, Ben, do you want to unmute your mic and ask it?
1: Sure. Thanks. Uh, Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Great. Um, Thanks for doing this interview. It was great to hear from you and sounds like you've got a great kind of a product that can help in the accounting needs and many others for new restaurants and large scale restaurants. I'm just getting new to this into the space and hoping to open a restaurant next year. So as a restaurant tech CEO, what other tech in the restaurant space do you feel is must-haves for a you know, new restaurant? Just to give context, call it like a 200 person outdoor focused taco spot, uh, delivery, takeout, fun spot. But just yeah. uh, what other tech do you think is yeah, great you? That, you, that you like? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you really, like I said a little bit earlier, you want to find the technology that will help you drive sales, control costs in labor and food. And so in the driving sales side, I think you want a very solid uh, point of sale solution right? to be able to to take these. uh, And I really think that you'd want one that's incorporated with a loyalty marketing type of engine. I think those two things go hand in hand, and I think you really want to have that together. And then you obviously, you even mentioned it there with delivery and ordering, but definitely you want a solid online ordering system that has... Uh, some really good menu management so that you can update that on a regular basis instead of having to go to that company and ask them every time you want to change the menu. That's some of the complaints I've heard from some of the uh, restaurateurs out there of, of what they do or don't like with those systems. But but to be able to drive your sales with those features, that it's very important technology to have.
0: POS, marketing tool, and online ordering is what I heard. That, those are the big ones?
1: That's right. Yeah, outside of what we provide, right? Which is yep. then all the back of it, which is scheduling, payroll, food management, you know, inventory management, accounting, yeah.
0: So I'm going to make you go one step further. Who's doing it really well? Who who do you look at in those three verticals and go, "This is a company that's worth looking at?"
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to pinpoint one because they're based on the size of the group, right? So in in the SMB market, I think everyone hears the names of groups that are really succeeding well there on the POS side like Toast, Right. Yep. They have a lot of functionality in one spot and they're doing great on that side. If you're going up, if, if you think you're getting at a lot of locations, you're really going to the enterprise side, uh, there's groups like Brink. You know, they, they have a good pl- cloud based POS system uh, up there uh, that's really starting to succeed quite a bit. Uh, and so it depends on what what size group you're trying to be or what the aspiration is there. Uh, But yeah, I I definitely would go cloud-based on the POS, one of the cloud-based providers at this point. I mean, I think that really is allowing a lot more innovation on that side than if you're going to go with an on-prem, even though there's still good on-prem groups that are still succeeding. But yeah, I'd go cloud on that.
0: Tony, we are five minutes past our agreed upon time, and I recognize that, and I want to make sure we wrap up. I'm, I know you're a busy guy today. so before oh, I had a
1: meeting five minutes ago, that means. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> shoot. So before we say goodbye, uh, I always ask my guests to call somebody else. So who's one a restaurant operator? I know you, there's a lot on your radar, but one that's doing a really great job, who you think needs to be made an example of. Uh, I'll try to get him on the show.
1: Mm, let's see here. I've I've been I've been really impressed with uh, what Freddy's frozen custard has done as a brand. I think they've been great. They've seen some great growth. They really have adjusted in COVID and succeeded there. I, I've just been so impressed. With and is,
0: is, is there a Freddy behind that brand? Is that the person I'm going after?
1: Um, I actually don't know Freddie myself. <laughs> Whoever but, the person uh, I need they, to talk to, we, look up. You work with them and, and, and with so many of the individuals there. I'll, I'll figure out who I could give you a name. Of. Awesome. And what's our call to
0: action? If we want to learn more or if we want to follow what, what you're up to, what's the best way to connect or to follow you?
1: Yeah. Please go to restaurant365.com. We've got tons of resources where you can get a free demo there and learn a lot more about what we're doing. Let us help you uh, change your your restaurant.
0: Beautiful. Tony Smith, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, to, to share the evolution of Restaurant 365, and to talk about the future of the industry. There is no questioning, my man, you are unstoppable.
1: Thanks so much, Eric. It's been good. Cheers.
0: There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to today's guest, Tony Smith, for coming on the show. Uh, in You know, we... The purpose of these calls or these these interviews is to learn more about these tools and technologies that my guests are recommending. But there's a cool little byproduct of getting people like Tony Smith on the show, and that's that they're also really great entrepreneurs. So we're talking to restaurant tours. The show all about restaurant tours, but this restaurant industry provides so many other opportunities for satellite industries like service as software, for example, accounting software like Restaurant Three Sixty Five and so much more. But Tony, in his he's he's an entrepreneur and he has great advice and i think we got some of that great advice today and i think that's uh being able to talk to these satellite industries is just a cool little bonus feature that i get from being the host of restaurant unstoppable hopefully you guys are finding value in these uh deep dive conversations with these entrepreneurs uh, affecting and influencing the restaurant industry So a lot of really interesting things happening with restaurant 365. I'm really excited about this uh, acquisition of compete. And I think that's going to be a game changer for restaurant 365. And I'm really excited to see how restaurant 365 evolves going into the future. And I hope you guys are too. Uh, And I should mention that restaurant 365 is a sponsor of restaurant unstoppable. And I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to restaurant 365 because they're not just a new recent sponsor. They've been sponsoring for years now. And I would not be able to do what I do without the the support from sponsors like restaurant 365. So if you want to support this show and make sure restaurant 365 continues to be a sponsor going into the future, use my links. Check out restaurant 365. Make sure you let them know restaurant unstoppable sent you their way. And uh, it's an amazing tool that's been recommended to us organically countless times so it's worth checking out uh lots of other cool stuff happening here in restaurant unstoppable network if you guys were in the network you would have been able to join us live for today's conversation today as this episode goes live we're talking to ken mcgeary at 9 a.m so if you're listening to this early make sure you go join the network and join us live for the episode with Ken McNeary, the sorry, Ken McGeary, the author of the surprise restaurant manager. That's today. uh, And
1: we'll see you next time. Peace out.